But I mean, I think our, so our sweet spot for a fix and flip, um, we're buying the house between 800 and a million dollars. We're renovating it for 250 grand. All of these houses are full gut renos that we do, um, between 250 and 300 grand. And we'll sell between 1.9 and 2.2 million. And that's a very average deal for us. us. Yeah. Yeah. And is that the average kind of price in Hawaii for a renovated house or what's uh, that seems expensive to, to me? Listen, everybody, we all know that real estate is the most proven way to build wealth. But why isn't everyone wealthy from real estate then? It's hard to know where to start. And most of the education out there is just complete trash. And you end up investing your money on a series of courses instead of in real estate. That's not how this podcast works. We give you the blueprint to successful real estate investing and bring on guests actually willing to share their secrets. I started my real estate investing journey as a freshman in college when I bought my first duplex and have been in the trenches doing deals ever since. And today, I now own hundreds of millions of dollars of investment property. On this podcast, you will learn what you actually need to know to be a successful active or passive real estate investor. And we'll offer our takes on what's happening today so you can navigate this market and build wealth. I'm Drew Brenneman, and this is the Brenneman Blueprint. All right, welcome to a special Hawaii edition of the Brenneman Blueprint. With me today is Tristan in Kamohai. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, Kamohai said it's usually on the fifth time uh, <laughs> you get it, but uh, maybe if you teach them to write your name in your phone phonetically, right? <laughs> then they'll, <laughs> then get, then they'll it get it first it on try. The, on the first day. So I yeah. love um, that. Look great. Yeah, their their company's TK Property Solutions, and uh, they invest in Hawaii and do uh, single family fix and flip deals, as they uh, as they call them. So yeah, yeah. Um, but so yeah, just I'm, I'm in Hawaii. I'm here for my um, girlfriend's stepbrother's wedding. So and then we use the same uh, video editor. So we I, I just jumped on their podcast, the uh, Deals in Aloha podcast, and so we're here shooting a Brennan Blueprint one. So. Love it. Deals on Aloha version. Fun times. Yeah. When I looked up where you guys were at, this is we just did the pillbox hype a couple of days ago. And then yeah. we're at that beach. I already told you I want to start with the W. Waimanalo. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. That, that's been the probably the best beach I've gone to in Hawaii. It's beautiful. Dude, when it's we're in so time, nice. It's the best side. Yeah. yeah. It's so <laughs> it nice is. over there. But I think when you go more west, it's rockier, right? Like Sunset Beach and all that. Yep. Well, when you go, yeah, when you go that way, it gets rocky and the surf gets huge. Yeah. 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 I still remember first Hawaiian Island I went to was Maui and then Mm -hmm. we went to Mama's Fish House and then seeing the waves there. Gnarly. There, I was like, wow, that was in November. I don't know when the that's when it biggest waves. That's when it's big winter time. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, this is scary. Where are the. Is that when they held the eddy? They hold the eddy uh, at Waimea Bay. I know, but like, when do they hold it? They it, they only hold the eddy when it's a certain size. And they held so, it like recently. They did hel- nice. hold it recently, but then like it sometimes it's like every eight years because yeah. it the doesn't. Eddie is meet. what is a special a surf, big surf contest. Yeah, big wave surf big contest. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know. That Who, just reminded me. Of I that. just I heard, uh, and then we'll get to the real estate after this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I did a helicopter tour yesterday. Oh, and nice. They, uh, the guy said when they did a competition, maybe it was Eddie, that the local, that the lifeguard jumped in and won. He won. Yes. Yeah. That, that was the Eddie. That was the Eddie. Yeah. Was the Eddie. Was yeah. He's like his pro surfers, but then the lifeguard was the lifeguard jumped in. in there. And yeah. 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 Love that. That was the Eddie this past year. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Super cool. But yeah, then I know, uh, Kamohai, you've lived in Hawaii your whole life. And then did you also? Yep. Born and raised. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So then you guys, uh, maybe just, Tell us how you got started investing in real estate. Yep. Okay. So I drug us into real estate. (laughs) (laughs) But to back up before that, so he and I have both been entrepreneurs basically our whole lives. My family has always been entrepreneurial by nature. And so um, I straight out of college got into the nonprofit sector. And so um, I owned and operated a nonprofit. I'm a licensed mental health counselor by trade before real estate. That's what I did. And so I built that from the ground up, but then we had kids, we had our daughter and I was like, this truly is nonprofit and it's expensive to live here in Hawaii. And so I was searching for more, but real estate was always kind of in my family. So I grew up seeing it. My um, great grandfather acquired a lot of land. Um, I saw how he was able to help my grandma with houses. Um, 
and just how it was an accumulation of wealth over time. And my dad, he owned a commercial building. I'm like, I need to know more about this real estate thing. And so I saw a commercial on TV sitting on one of our rentals back in the day. I think that was like seven years ago uh, for fortune builders. They're a real estate uh, mentorship company out of San Diego. And I was like, we're going like, we don't have a choice, we're going. Um, and that's kind of how real estate started. But he um, owned and operated yeah. retail stores. Right. I was like an action sports kid. So I was like the kid slanging T-shirts <laughs> to all my friends in my neighborhood. Nice. Um, and so very early on, we got into like branding. My brother and I started a brand like 13 years ago. It turned into one store and then another store and then another store. So we had three stores uh two one was in kailua here nice. and then alamoana shopping center i don't know if you've been there because that's the big one that's right? a huge okay, mall yeah. yeah and then we had our our home base in san diego but that was really like i was a bachelor uh didn't make a ton of money paid our employees and survived <laughs> but got married had my first kid and she really was like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta get it. You gotta get a real, you gotta get a real job. Uh, and dragged me to that seminar. I was so skeptical, dude. I was the guy that was like, this is a scam. We're 80 grand in debt at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, there's no way I can buy houses without any of my own money. Like it's so expensive here. Flip them and million dollar price points and actually make money. Yeah. So she dragged me, something switched in my brain when I was there. Um, and that's how it started. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so what what happened at the Fortune Builder event then? It was just sort of being around all those people or hearing the speakers or how did that? I think what was game flip? changing for, for me, I was willing to do whatever it took. I'm like, these people say it's possible. I'm just going to blindly and naively believe them. But they think what really solidified it, that it was real, was seeing local people. They brought local people that had done it already, joined the program and had success, come on stage and be like, this is what I've done. This is how I've done it. I'm like, oh, he's from here. He's doing it here. It's possible. Local to where? Local to Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, to really? And that's okay. that's literally what it was. It was because I, I'd heard of real estate stuff before. I heard of like these types of things, but it was people telling me that they were doing it in the mainland. Right. Um, and so when I saw a local guy that looked like me up on stage and he did his presentation and he was like, I'm, I'm working on seven houses right now. I've been doing it for this many years. It, making this much. Yeah. yeah, there was a connection there. And so, you know. And that event was in San Diego? No, that was here. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, when it's local, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So someone in California? Okay, that it makes sense. Here. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah, I've heard of Fortune Builders. I heard them. I think one of the founders on a podcast was very yeah interesting. Dan Merrill, yeah, one of them. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I just listened to this in 2020. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was cleaning the house, and uh, I remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. I remember vacuuming the stairs and listening to this. But it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Um, but nice. So then, what did you guys do next? Then? Yeah. So you went to that, and then so we happened? actually didn't even sign up for the event that that three-day seminar. We left not signing up. And I was bummed because I was ready to sell my kit. Like I was ready to do something. It was one of those upsell things, right? You know. So you, you go for 200 bucks. At the end of the third day, you They're buy asking. a $50,000 mentorship. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they had different packages and one of them was up to 100 grand. And I was like, I mean, we can't afford that one, but yeah. we can do the $20,000 one. You know what I mean? But he was like, you're crazy. No, like he was like, put his foot down and said, no. And so I was bummed and I was like, well, what are we going to do? Unbeknownst to me, he was making phone calls to fortune builders saying like, what other packages do you have? Because I'm not doing any of these three. Do you have a cheaper option? And he ended up getting us, I think a, it was called Jumpstart. I don't remember the yeah. exact, but it was six months and it was like half the price. I think it was nice. like 10 or $12,000. So he was like negotiating already, nice. you know? Yeah. <laughs> nice. And so we just went down that rabbit hole and- Fortune Builders puts a heavy emphasis on fix and flip. So they taught us how to do that really, really well. Um, and we, honestly, the first year, I would say, it was a lot of analysis paralysis. He was still doing his retail stores. Um, I was still building my nonprofit. But then once the retail stores closed down, because brick and mortar is just really hard, um, we went all in and we just started making offers on the MLS. I sat down, I called up one of my um, family friends who was a realtor and I said, hey, can um, <laughs> we want to buy fixer uppers and we want to rent, um, sell them for a profit. 
And she was like, okay. So she started sending us deals off the MLS and we just started making offers, making offers, making offers. I remember one day we lined up like, this is when we would have to go see them because we didn't, we were new. We didn't know. No we construction doing, experience. You know? No like we nothing. We wanted to yeah. walk every property that we were going to put an offer in Makes on. Makes sense. Yeah, that's smart. You should do that when you're first starting. Yeah. Um, and we lined up like 10 in one day and it was like, we were on the 10th house. We were done for the day. It was nighttime already. Put in an offer. That's the one we ended up getting. The one that was the last house. Yeah. I think after like six months of putting in offers. Yeah, it was like six or seven months of putting in offers. So so then we got that house. Um, learned about hard money really quick. Learned about private money really quick. Um, I flipped that house and learned a lot. I say we got our master's degree in <laughs> flipping on our very first house and we we underestimated our rehab costs. We we didn't even account for some foundation, not some, but $40,000 foundation repair. Wow. Yeah. Um we hired the wrong contractor. Mm-hmm. We went way over time. So everything that we could have done wrong, we, we did. did wrong on that first house. Yeah. Yep. But we're glutton for punishment and we ended up getting another house under contract while we were renovating our first house. But um, I wouldn't change anything, honestly, because we learned so much and we learned what not to do. We always go back and we're like, oh, if we made $100,000 on our first deal, like we would have gotten spoiled, you know, and thinking that, oh, it's this easy because real estate is not easy. You know, well, it's, well, it's that. And then we would have learn the lessons eventually. Yeah. And I'm just thinking that, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and maybe we got ourselves into an even bigger issue then because we had all this false confidence yeah. and it put us out of business. You know what I mean? So yeah. no, that's interesting. That's similar. So then like for someone starting out, what mm-hmm. would be your advice then? Yeah. If they go back to that same point, yeah. would it, it would it just be just get going on a deal. Cause then you're talking analysis paralysis and you really, you learn more doing from doing or what would be the advice? I think two things. It's definitely learning. So laying a foundation of education, because although it cost us money to join fortune builders, it taught us how to underwrite deals really, really well. So we never have bought to date a bad deal ever. Nice. You know what I mean? Because that laid that foundation and solidified it. So get, educated on what you're trying to do. And then what I always say to everyone is I wish we partnered with an experienced investor on our first deal because we could have mitigated a lot of the mistakes that we made. Okay. Yeah. Cause then they would have under looked at your underwriting or underwrote themselves and or, been like, this is too low. There's no contingency for something like a foundation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All your timelines are too mm-hmm. quick. Yep. Yeah. And we okay. probably could have made money on that deal if we partnered. The good thing about our first deal was that we under, we bought it right. And I think a lot of people, we, we talk about this, like you make your money on the buy mm-hmm. and um, we bought the deal. Right. So even though all those things went wrong, we didn't lose money on the deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think we made 15 grand. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But Which is good on your first deal. But we could have <laughs> lost, you know, a lot if we had bought the property for too much money. So yeah. I think it's also that it's like, okay, the education paired with action, like mm-hmm. make sure you're taking action because a lot of people just get stuck in the education phase like we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, if, if we could have just leveraged somebody else that had construction experience, um, that had some, you know, deals under their belt, we would have made probably a hundred grand on that house. Yeah. Yeah. I just bought it, bought it better and yeah. yep. done things better. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cause then what do, um, have you guys partnered with people since? Or? Totally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Totally. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. So the the next one we bought, we because it was like halfway through our first one, we hadn't really like learned any lessons, lessons yet. weren't kicking oh, okay. in yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you we, didn't realize we used this, <laughs> how far behind schedule Dude, we were. Exactly. So yeah. we, we used the same contractor who ended up walking off with 30 grand of our money mm-hmm. on the second one halfway through. Um, and that deal, we, we did learn some things. Like, I think we did a better job on that deal Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but we didn't walk away making very much money at all. Yeah. Um, I think it was, it wasn't until our third deal that we actually got a taste of what it was to make money. And we made like 40 grand, which is still great. It's still good money, but, um, we just kept going. 
And now today we do between 25 and 30 deals a year and we make over a million dollars. So we do well, but we always knew um, that we were flipping to buy rentals because flipping is a job. Right. It's a full-time, high-stress, high-risk field. And um, accumulation of wealth is usually through real estate, through holding the property. Yeah, long-term. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, cash flow, paying the loan down, letting it go up in value. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when did it feel like, okay, we know what we're doing? At what point did that kind of... Yeah, I think it was that third, the third one, and then our third one into our, like, next four. So, yeah. like, on the third one, we did the renovation in one month. We were in and out of the property in like 78 days and we made 40 grand and it was like, boom, like okay. proof of concept. We do we're, know what we're doing. Okay. We have <laughs> like, we know that if we put the right pieces to the puzzle in place and we have the right team members, then there is potential to make, yeah. make money here. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that deal, we actually joined another mentorship and that mentorship really changed our lives. Yeah. Um, it was Pace Marby sub two mentorship and it was a community. It was right when he first started it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we we're like one of the first 200 students that he had. But anyway, Pace taught us that we're actually sales and marketing and real estate is a byproduct of what our sales and marketing does. Um, prior to that, we're just buying everything off the MLS on market. Uh, so I got, we, we joined the mentorship, like went through it. We're doing the, the thing, started implementing a ton of different marketing strategies. I built out our whole marketing side of the business and we went from three deals that first and second year to, to the very next year doing 17 deals. Wow. And none of them were on market, just yeah. all direct to seller off market. Um, and I think that's really where things started to, to change. Yeah. So definitely going direct to seller and understanding marketing, it was a game changing for us. But in addition, it was figuring out our roles because we are a husband and wife team and that's complicated. Also being entrepreneurs and running our own businesses prior to coming into business together was super challenging. We were both trying to do the same thing. We would get a deal, all marketing would stop. And so once we read the book, Rocket Fuel and learned um, the visionary and the integrator roles and dynamics and really just settled into those seats, that's when our business truly started taking off. Marketing and understanding roles game changing. Oh, it's so interesting. Yeah. Is Rocket Fuel one of the EOS books? It's just not the the entrepreneur operating system or is that? No. E is Traction, is Traction is EOS. Is EOS. Yeah. Right, right, right. So I think they use the same term. Rocket, integrator, they do. Right. Rocket Fuel is the precursor to Traction. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Same, same author, Rocket Fuel and then tra Traction. So exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Yeah. The cool thing about the visionary integrator that we realize is that both of us actually fall more on the visionary scale. But we, what we learned from that book is that it's necessary to have both roles in a successful business, like mm -hmm. Disney. McDonald's. Well, everyone knows Walt Disney, but, yeah. but there's an integrator behind Walt, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So oftentimes, uh, visionaries are the ones that are out in the forefront, like the face of the company, mm -hmm. the integrators behind making sure the country the company Companies runs, you know? Yeah. Um, and so what we did realize is that I have zero integrator qualities. Like I suck at anything integrator. Um, but I love like I ideas and like pushing forward and, and that kind of thing. She loved that as well, but she actually was good at some of the integrator stuff. And so she, she morphed into that role over the years. We've hired I reluctant. Team. I was reluctant though, yeah. right? Cause I was coming from my own entrepreneurship, being the boss, being the visionary, but now I'm super comfortable in that space and building a team around me that helps me keep all the systems in place. I like being behind the scenes, although I can't be really <laughs> today because of what we've signed up for, but yeah, he can go out and talk to anybody about anything at any time. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. That kind of stuff brings me energy. You know, like I'll, I'll go to like a meetup and like just talk story with people. I leave and I'm like, okay, let's go run through a wall. Like yeah. I'm ready yeah. to go. It's like, it brings me joy and energy. 
I she leaves and she days. needs to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. She feels drained. See, yeah. So you're so. more like me. Yeah. Where you can turn it on, you can do it, but then it's like, okay, I need to go be alone, recoup, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, my pattern, definitely more visionary, but then not as social as you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I would be more yeah. uh, tired. Yeah, yeah, from our yeah. conversation, because we did just interview you, <laughs> I would yeah. say you're definitely a visionary, like oh, way totally. visionary. Like you're you. probably like me on the scale, because you can even take tests where you're like, are you more visionary? Are you more integrator? And I'm right in the middle. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So you're probably right yeah. in the middle, too. Yeah. I'm, I, when I've done those things, I end up on a visionary thing, yeah. but then mm-hmm. I, um, I'm also methodical mm. so then i can do the execution stuff but not yeah not fast like someone who would also be yeah quick and then uh naturally like that but yeah and so then that's yeah. how i've See, that's done me. stuff is yeah that's that is totally you sound me. like her but it's yeah. not as fast as uh, yeah the people who are and you don't like love doing it but you'll do it like you enjoy it enough you know yeah i think that's right yeah but then i do enjoy like when it goes well obviously yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah there is enjoyment yeah. How totally. did you build up the marketing? You want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, man, I'm a, I'm a very like, give me a blueprint and I'll follow it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of the marketing strategies that Pace taught were ones that have been taught forever in the real estate space. Um, but in the beginning, because it was just Tris and I, and we weren't making a ton of money, it was very bootstrap. Like uh, it was me full time sitting in a room um, and figuring the marketing out. And so the strategy that we um, landed on was texting. And at the time, texting was a lot less regulated. Um, it's it's gotten a lot harder to do now, but basically cold texting. Uh, and so I sat in a room, I got my texting software together and I sent out a thousand text messages a day to just cold text. Hey, have you ever thought about selling your house for cash? Um, and I did that for three months straight and I just would lock myself in my room and do it. Um, and no like CRM, no systems. I was using like, uh, this list software to kind of house all my data and text out of. Um, but I got three deals from those first three months from that texting. Uh, and so I, when we started making some money, I'd pour some more money into, uh, marketing. Mm -hmm. We got really, really good at texting. Most of our deals that year came from texting the 17. Um, and we added on another strategy. So Tech, well, first I hired someone to do the texting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we added on cold calling and then we added another cold caller. Um, and now our marketing, well, we got a good CRM. Like we're using a, a more in-depth CRM with, um, with automations and everything. So now we do PPC. So we do Google ads. Um, we do, we still text, we still cold call and we do a little bit of direct mail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have five people on the marketing team. So four of them are VAs and then one in-house lead manager, everything full, everything flows from the VAs into our CRM. Then our lead manager will triage and assess more. And then I'm still going out on all the appointments face to face. But so the, that's kind of what it looks like. And so the four VAs, two are calling and some are texting or? Yes. We, yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. So two are, one is texting full time and then the other ones are calling. Okay. Nice. Yep. And then what CRM do you use? At this point? We use, so we use uh, a built out Podio. Um, okay. It's called Bar- Bomb CRM. It's actually one that Pace and Cody Barton built out. Okay, nice. um, but it, it's a fairly robust Podio system. Um, but yeah, people, are, most people are, are familiar with Podio. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, most of the CRMs I hear of, it's either just the company's got like, it's just one or it's a, a Salesforce product. So yep. then right. Salesforce Podio is a Salesforce product or mm-hmm. that's a, that's something like Salesforce. It's something or? like Salesforce. Salesforce, yeah. I, I would say is like Podio on steroids. They yeah. have a lot more, um, 
a lot more like customizations. customizations, right? And and it's for bigger businesses, I would say. Yeah. I, I say Podio is like the baby step before Salesforce. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. I mean, Salesforce is expensive and super yeah. expensive. It's, it's not easy to use from what I've saw. So. Yeah. 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 Podio is super simple. I mean, all we house all our leads in there. We have like a, a ton of follow-up automations in there. We can send out contracts, DocuSigns, um, all our cash buyers we can, we can house in there. So it's a pretty robust system, but fairly easy to use as well. Okay. Nice. But yeah, so that's, it's, I, I yeah, I love, uh, uh, this, this, the starting out stories, um, yep. at the, actually at this point, what was the most fun part of this process so far? Would you say? I think it was probably different for both of us. What's yours? I mean, my, so when we kind of figured out the roles that, that literally changed our business and the role that I went into was my job is to just find deals. Like we understood that without, um, without deals, you have no business. Right. And so building that out was very, very enjoyable for me. Um, and then I also realized that I freaking love people <laughs> and I love solving problems. And so it, it fit perfectly with who I was as a person, just getting to talk to these homeowners. And a lot of these homeowners are people that have some major, major issues. I was able to be that solution while at the same time bringing in money for my family. I thought I hit the jackpot. I was like, real estate is what I was born to do. Yeah. Um, and so that for sure was like the most enjoyable part for me. I would second that. I think coming from a helping background in behavioral health, but then barely scraping by and then finding this passion in real estate where I could actually live the life that I wanted and provide for my family. Um, and then also help people that are in distress. It's a beautiful thing. I, I thought I won the jackpot too with that. But then there's nothing like, I think the, the most memorable moment, well, there's two. The first one was actually making our first six figures. I and mean, I think um, it was a house and I am, we made over $300,000 and we paid off all of our debt. And for the first time being debt free and then being able to pour back into our business and also like make money, yeah. you know, in a six figure income was uh, amazing. And then getting our first seller finance rental that brings in, you know, a thousand to $2,000 a month was game changing. I'm like, why is everyone not doing real estate? You know, <laughs> yeah. like what is wrong with people, you know? So Cuz it's too good to be true, that's <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. For sure. So, that's what one of my friends said cuz he was working as a banker and he was I was explaining what I was doing. He's like, I thought it was too good to be true. Yeah. But it was true. It yeah. was true. 100%. I know. We had we had a lot of that too when we were getting started just like very skeptical mm -hmm. from the outside, especially in Hawaii. I don't know why. It's just like well, something is very humble. It's yeah. very blue collar. It's very, you work, um, and you will get a job. So we got a lot of what you're doing is like illegal, uh, yeah. or there, you must be skirting the system somehow. It's not on the up and up, or you know, you need real estate is something you do as a hobby. You go and you get a W2 and you get a good job and you stay there and you do real estate on the side. Um, and we are like, Nope, I can't do that. <laughs> we're going to make this a career. We got a, we got a taste of it and we're like, how is not everybody doing this? Yeah. You know well, what I mean? And we're going to do it full time and we're going to take it to a level that none of, no one's seen in Hawaii. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's interesting hearing yeah, what your favorite part was. Because I mean, for me, a lot of my favorite times was those first successes, like yeah. at the next level. So mm -hmm. I was thinking probably you'd say like, maybe the first or second time you got someone, you sent out 90,000 text messages in three months. <laughs> yeah. Then like it was those, when those three deals came in, that was the yeah. peak of, of, like, uh, yep. of life at the yep. point. A hundred percent. This is actually I mean, working. And I'm I still remember the first lady who responded. We actually own the condos still to this day that we bought from her. And mm -hmm. she was an older lady in Vegas um, who owned two condos in Waikiki. Nice. And, uh, she said, yes, she, she wants to sell. And I, I, I am getting chicken skin now thinking of it, but that moment was a big changing point. I remember I, 
after I figured it out and like, okay, we had like a verbal acceptance. I got out of my room, ran over to her and I was like, it works. Like yeah. it does work, yeah. you know? Cause we were um, spending money on marketing money that we didn't have. You yeah. know what I mean? So it was like, this has to work. Like yeah. we do not have a plan B. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we ended up keeping those that we bought each one for $98,000 mm-hmm. and refinanced them. They, they we appraise it. 20,000 into them. Yeah. They appraise at 205 each. Nice. So we bought them at 50% of value. And yeah, we hope we still have those ever since. Yeah. <laughs> still have those. Those you rented out. Yeah. Yep. So those are long-term. Um, they're both section, section eight, uh, renters stable is great. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, because mostly your business today, it's it's where you, you buy, you renovate, you sell. Yeah. Yep. How many uh, rental units do you have like that? So are- with rentals, we have a portfolio of 30 doors, um, Oahu, the Big Island, and then Florida. Okay. Yes. Nice. That doesn't include the 22 we're, we're under contract for. So hopefully that pans out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like our goal was... Like we're very like lifestyle focused. So yes. like I don't I don't have a yearning to own like a, a cre- bajillion right, doors. Right, right, right. Like no. a bajillion doors. No. Like I, I want super quality and things that are gonna allow me to spend more time with my family. Um I my kids are like our kids are our whole life, right? And well, and they're, they're at a very developmental important age where you know we can't get these years back you know you have a child yeah. you know you can't get this time back and so we're really about building our business around our life not our life around our business you know and really lifestyle by design and we've never been um quantity we're always quality over quantity especially with our fix and flips too that's why we only do you know well there's people that do a hundred flips a year I will, we will never do a hundred flips a year. I have no desire. I'm very comfortable between 25 and 30. And the funny part is uh, we make the same amount as that person that does a hundred flips a year. You know right. what I well, mean? Well, yeah, they're taking yeah. more marginal deals, I'm sure. Yeah. Exactly. Which goes down to, to yep. your buy box. Like, I mean, he can talk about our average deal here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right before that though, like the goal it was really, okay, we're going to bring in income, but we want more passive stuff. So all of the money that we make, um, I mean, obviously we, we live and survive off it, but it goes into rentals somehow. Like that's the end goal is. So like we were talking about multifamily earlier, that's the trajectory that we're, we're moving towards. Um, I don't know. I'll always buy like a 5k down sub two deal. That'll cash flow 600 bucks though. (laughs) Creative stuff for sure. But I mean, I think our, so our sweet spot for a fix and flip, um, we're buying the house between 800 and a million dollars. We're renovating it for 250 grand. All of these houses are full gut renos that we do, um, between 250 and 300 grand and we'll sell between 1.9 and 2.2 million. And that's a very average deal for us. us. Yeah. Yeah. And is that the average kind of price in Hawaii for a renovated house or what's, uh, that seems expensive to to me. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So it's it's very expensive, but yeah. So just like every mark, every other market, there's sub markets that have different price points. So like, um, here on the windward side, that's a fairly average price, mm-hmm. uh, in Kahala or Aina that's also a fairly average price. But if you go out to like the West side, um, Waianae, Eva beach, Kapolei, Makakilo, those, that would be a very expensive house out there. Those, um, price points, you can get totally renovated houses for like 850, mm-hmm. 900, but they're small, three bed, two bath, 1400 square foot. But for here, that's a fairly normal price. Mm-hmm. Our median home price in Hawaii is right around $1.1 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of helps give a little perspective because most people say you're buying a, a full gut renovation at 900 grand. Like, like you're yeah, crazy, right? Deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, those are just normalized numbers for us. We just yeah. don't know anything else. And the numbers you're saying this is for all of the islands on average or just Oahu? So Oahu is the most populated, um, most, I would say 
I would say very Oahu specific. There are some other islands that are are similar. Um, Maui's Maui place. has some areas that are that are like that. Kauai also has some areas that are like that. But I would say more on Oahu um, specific for that yeah. for those yeah. exact numbers. We only flip on Oahu. We haven't flipped out of and on any other island. Okay, nice. Yeah. But yeah, I think I saw somewhere you guys had a, a rental on in uh, on the Big Island. And yeah, know. we have, yep. we actually have a small portfolio up there. We have um, three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven doors up there. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that it was a, a video. I couldn't hear the sound because those words was loud. But it was it's like a house blessing. What was? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Man, that's a cool property. I mean, that one we can we talk about that real quick, but and we'll go into the blessings. But that is uh, on the Big Island, and we bought it creatively. So mm-hmm. it was a subject to we took over the loan and we created a second note for the seller for the equity, for equity. a seller finance a, a piece. But it's two TMK, so two lots. Uh, each are a quarter acre, and there's three houses on the lot. That is in a legal short-term area. So we Airbnb all three of those houses um, and they bring in roughly, I don't know, 15 grand gross a month um, for just three houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And so that that you saw was actually my father Mm -hmm. um, blessing the property. uh, And that's one piece that we bring in uh, on every single project we do here. So a house is never done until it's blessed. And we do that because for a majority of people, a home purchase is the most expensive purchase they'll ever make. And usually it's one, one time in their life, right? And so we believe a home is a place that's almost spiritual. It's a safekeeping. It's where dreams are made. It's where memories are created. It's where you feel safe and secure. Um, It's where you raise kids. And so we're buying properties that come with a lot of history. They're very distressed. Um, I mean, we've bought houses with trees growing out of the roofs. I mean, so coming in and cleansing a space and making it so a family walks in there and feels the... I want to say mana, but like the power and the peace and the work that was put into it is really what it's all about. So yeah, Yeah. the property is not done until it's blessed. Yeah. And then my, my dad's really cool. He, um, because our family has been here for generations We're we're native Hawaiian. Um, my dad just has a ton of information about every specific, specific place on the Island, right? The history of our people in that specific place. So when he will come in, he'll actually do some research and he tells us stories about, about that place. And it's really cool just to know a little bit more about the area. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, he, he normally sings a song and once that's done, we look at each other and we're like, okay, it's ready to be sold. Yeah. It gives meaning, you know, it gives more meaning to what we did at that, that place. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then is that something that's commonly done in Hawaii or that's. I think house blessings or blessings of new businesses or it's common. Um, Do a lot of investors do it? I don't know. I want to say no, but it's definitely something that we have incorporated into every day. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know if a lot, I know that like businesses and stuff, it's Mm -hmm. very, very custom to have a business blessed or, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of a thing. And I know that house blessings happen, but I think, I don't know if like a ton, like she said, a ton of other investors do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, it's just something that is important to us. And I, I, I feel like when the new buyers come in, they, they deserve feel. and can feel yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's kind of cool all the way around. Well, I also think that, so back to fortune builders, fortune builders teaches you to systematize your flips. And I get why they do it because right. it's really the only way to scale. So you use the same materials in every house, you're in and out as quickly as possible. We don't do that. Every house we do is super different. It's super custom. It's super to price point. And so you'll never see us do the same thing in any renovation. So I think 
it makes our business special because it's almost like we've created a little brand for ourselves. So like, oh, what is Tristan and Kamalhai going to do next with their houses? You know what I mean? So having the blessing component only kind of matches what we do with the houses and the designs and the renovations. Right, where they don't just feel like a flip. Like this yeah. is really like a $2 million house. So this might be exactly. like a custom house. I'm like, we 100%. need to make all these houses feel like what people could get on the mainland. Like let's bring HGTV to Hawaii. So yeah. they feel, you know, I feel like Hawaii people deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So you guys just, you got your show. Wanna- <laughs> yeah. We have a show. Can't say too much about it, but yeah, we're filming season one right now. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be wild. Because it's funny because people, uh, I get in my like bio, I have that I was on the Home and Garden channel. Yeah. So that's like a really commonly asked question. Yeah. But I feel like my answer is not, it's not as cool as yours. Where it's, uh, <laughs> like, I was on it for, yeah. you know, like 59 seconds probably or something mm-hmm. where, or maybe, you know, a minute and a half, but where I was the quarter million dollar house once where mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that's cool where you guys have your own <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. show coming. It's a wild but, ride. So stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. We're excited. It'll, it'll be a, a glimpse into, into Hawaii and into our business. And I think we do tell a very authentic story. So yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause that's when we, before we started recording, I was saying what I, what I know people will be interested in where we haven't had any buddy on the podcast who has a, a single family uh, flip business. Yep. It's all it's and no, and even, um, you know, not all people doing creative financing, just more kind of middle of the, like just regular yeah. and butter real estate investing. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I bought a duplex and then yeah. well, so we sold it, bought a four unit. Like mm-hmm. that's most, um, you know, probably the most common like guest or kind of path right. or listener. Right. Yeah. I've got, but then also too, like no one's done any deals in Hawaii. So yeah. that, you know, too, to talk about what, uh, owning property, property rights, Yep. Uh, what the real estate market's like, I guess to kind of start, like I've heard, but not looked into, you know, like a lot of the land or, you know, someone said all of it, which I'm sure was hyperbole, but is, you know, it's all, you have to lease it from somebody. Mm. Right, right, how right. Does, how does it, it work here? Yeah. So, I mean, it, man, we have a very unique relationship with land um, and with the United States, but um, in before Hawaii was a state, there was no such thing as land ownership. So um, we had things, they were actually called ahupua'a. And it was basically from the mountain all the way down to the sea. And it was carved out. And there's a bunch of ahupua'a on Oahu. um, And there was a chief there that ruled but nobody owned the land it was more of like a barter mm. system you need something i have something that's how you survived right within each yes. uh, section, uh mm-hmm. yeah the, the chief control. yeah so like they the farmers in the mountain would farm um kalo poi you've probably heard of poi uh and a, a bunch of other stuff and then the fishermen down by the sea would fish and then the fishermen would trade with mm-hmm. the farmers and it was like a, a big cohesive um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, culture. And so, but nobody had l- ownership of land. People there was had houses or structures they lived in, yeah. but it was just sort of it was more like community. community. Yeah. yeah okay. Communal. Yeah. So that's kind of where, where we were. We didn't get land ownership until the great Mahele. And it was an introduction to what land o- ownership was by outsiders. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then again, United States comes in, obviously, um, during that time when that happened, uh, Hawaii was basically a bunch of businessmen that came here that started plantations. Um, and so you've probably heard like sugar plantation. That was like our in- the industry back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a few families that basically started those plantations and ran everything kind of made Hawaii into what it is today. Right. Um, I mean the Campbell's uh, Alexander and Baldwin Mm -hmm. there, there's very like well-known established names, but they ended up buying a lot of the land. Mm -hmm. Um, how did they acquire it though? Who are they buying it from? (laughs) Well, that from the Kings and Queens, like a lot of the, the land was, um, from that, right? Mm-hmm. Like when the great Mahele happened, the land got split up. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's when like a lot of it went to those uh, families were like, I'm going to buy up all of it. Yeah. But, but what were they paying? Majority. Nobody, they're just saying I own it now. 
I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't know exactly who they were exactly paying, but they ended up, um, with a lot of the land, uh, Another huge landowner was Kamehameha Schools because Princess um, Pauahi Bishop was royalty and she was a princess. She owned a lot of land. So a lot of the the ali'i also had land Land. as well. They didn't sell it off. Um, And those are just kings and queens or royalty, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of the, the history ended up being these people that owned all of these land, all of this land didn't ever want to sell the land, but they would lease the lands out in like hundred year leases. Um, and so tons of Hawaiian, like as far as land goes was just leasehold property, um, up into a long, like, uh, I think, Probably until like the 80s um, was a lot of leasehold. What happened was uh, the government came in and they said, hey, we're enacting a law that says that people should be able to buy the fee simple rights to this land. So they forced all of these people and big companies to actually sell the fees. Mm -hmm. So over the last 30 years, a lot of the leasehold has gone away. Yeah, there is still leasehold properties, um, and on the leasehold property, the owner lo- owns the land underneath, and the the person that's on the property just owns the house. So a lot of times when you see leasehold still available, it's for very low cost. People are like, oh my gosh, this is a deal in Hawaii, but you don't really own the land. So right. yeah, yeah, yeah you're, we don't you're own a tenant. And yeah, yeah. You, you built your house on it and you own it, but you're. What happens yeah. when the lease is up? When right? the lease is up, it goes back. Oh, uh, like uh, there's a lot of commercial real estate here it's where same, yeah. yeah 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 where the like the Weinberg Foundation is one. Um, one foundation that owns a ton of land here mm-hmm. and they'll, they own the land underneath and these big hotels will come in and they'll build their hotel mm-hmm. on top of the land. Yeah. Um, but the Weinberg owns all the land. Do you know what I mean? In commercial. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The ground lease deals. Yeah. Exactly. Like the best corner at the shopping center. You still own it, but then you do a ground lease with like a bank or a McDonald's or somebody. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So this is like on a bigger scale. Yeah. yeah. So that's like a much yeah. bigger sale. So, um, like I said, a lot of the land, the leasehold properties have converted into fee simple over the last, uh, 30 or so years. And so they're not as common, but it's crazy because you never hear this in other places. No. Like e- everybody asks me all the time, what like is what is leasehold oh, here yeah. in Hawaii? Yeah. yeah. Um, because you'll find a lot of it still here. Which is also not common in other places than it is here because of all that. A lot of our value is in the land because now it only became recently available for ownership or purchase, you know, not that long ago. And so a lot of our value in Hawaii is in the land, not in the structure. So like on this house, what are our numbers on this house? Yeah. yeah. So like on this house, it appraised at 1.75. The land is worth close to 1.3 million. It's like 1.275 and that's where most of the value is. So um, that's similar to everywhere. Like I, I know it's opposite in a lot of other places mm-hmm. where the value is actually in, in the, the structure. structure. The land is fairly cheap. You know yeah, what I mean? That's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that in in uh, in Chicago it was kind of like that where there's like your average city lot is was worth seven eight hundred thousand dollars in the nice neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then so then any house that's worth less than that. It's just, it's just a teardown. It's yeah. Like, if it's worth more if it wasn't there. Right, right, yeah. right. So that was, so then what's interesting is every house then in those nice neighborhoods of Chicago, it's like a million and a half or $2 million house, obviously, because you're not going to buy a, uh, a $700,000 lot and then put up like a $200,000. Right. Yeah. So you're yeah. going out all out on the finishes oh, yeah. and everything yeah. and ceiling heights. And so it seems kind of similar here where if yeah. all your renovations are you know, nearing a $2 million price point. Like you're not buying a $600 refrigerator for it. Like your most cookie cutter, whatever the fortune builder blueprint is, that's buying a house probably for at the time, 220,000, which is the average price in the mainland. And then you're going to, we're going to put, you know, money into it and it'll be worth in the high 200, 300s, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Well, you hit flipping in Hawaii on the nail. <laughs> I mean, this is what it would be like flipping in like some of these big cities. Then actually, if yes. you were doing this in like L.A. or yes, exactly, very Chicago, similar. It's yeah. kind of similar numbers. Yeah, hundred so, percent. Yes. Yeah, we see a lot of similarity with like areas in Southern California, mm-hmm. um, in, in areas like L.A. Yeah. Um, there's San Diego. Yeah, very similar numbers. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I mean, is there anything else? I mean, with the property ownership, I mean, worth that's unique with Hawaii. Cause I, I mean, that was my number one thing I was curious about yeah. that. And then, um, deal flow, yeah. which you answered where, yeah. cause I thought this was, uh, you know, and we were saying this before we recorded, we're like, yeah, I live by Dallas and we also buy in Phoenix. Those yeah. are two of the top largest MSAs in the country. There's yeah. millions of people in each one. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of like apartment deals to look at. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, it's like there's not, yeah, like you drive around when you're talking about the west part of the west island, side. I'm like, yeah, yeah. there's no, there's not any almost, there's not barely any jobs over there. Like, no other yeah. houses are cheaper, but yeah. mm-hmm. there's not, there's just not a lot here. So to generate leads consistently, that leads, that's a yeah. lot. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, maybe anything else on Hawaii that uh, with property ownership that we didn't touch on? Yeah. I mean, I think that. The one thing that I would say about property ownership is that it is a very, um, there's a very emotional connection to property here. Uh, a lot of times the houses that we're buying have been passed down from generations, maybe six times and it stayed in the family. Um, and so a very like deep connection to these houses as opposed to some other areas, and I won't speak for all of them, where it's it's more of a transaction. Um, there's so much that goes into buying Doing these properties. Here is very relationship based, and it's not transaction based. Yeah, sure. is that because when I think of people who've owned houses the longest, I mean it's probably my parents. Where we had a, they owned a house for almost thirty years. It yeah. seems yeah. like. Uh, someone in the mainland that I think like who owned it the longest, like there was no passing down or anything. They just, when they wanted a bigger, newer yeah. house, they just yep. sold it and bought yeah. a different one. Totally. Yeah. We had a cabin in our family, like a lake house that yeah. they're just selling now, but it, it made it like one generation passed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like the kids had it until they were in their seventies, but now yep. they're selling it. Yeah. yeah. So it's for six generations. Yeah. That would, even this cabin we're selling, everyone's sad about it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I went there as a kid every summer all the time. Oh, I wanted totally. to bring my son there. Yeah. But we're not, yeah. Uh, 100%. Weren't able to, but so, I mean, yeah, imagine if then that continued for five more generations, like how right. crazy that would be. Cool, exactly. Right? Plus it would be, a, a, are there a lot of people to deal with to buy these? Cause that's also one thing we're running into at the cabin was, so yeah, my grandpa, he had three kids, so then they owned it. But now those three kids had, I have to add it up, but let's say like yeah. nine total kids. Yep. Yeah. So now there's going to be where I would own a ninth of this cabin and then just keep going. Yeah, it still gets hard. Do you run into that? hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the times, so most of the deals that we're buying, um, well, there's a lot of them that are inherited, inherited houses. And what ends up happening is there's seven people that yeah. have ownership rights to this house and four of them want to keep it, but the other ones don't want to keep it. They bicker over it and then they end up having to sell it. Um, that can be a very hard struggle to navigate, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, especially when there's people that feel like they're being forced into selling and having to cooperate with, with them. But that's very, very common here. Yeah. And then legally, do you, would you need all seven to sign? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. A lot of times you do a partition sale, but yes. Right. Yeah. A lot of times there'll be an executor, but our culture is like, so it's crazy that even though that one executor has the power to sign, they still they, want, they want to make sure that their family is they happy. They want everybody's blessing. Right. Too, they right? want the you blessing. Um, and so it normally is like a drawn can be a pretty drawn out process yeah. and take th- a lot of work, but yeah, it happens pretty often. Yeah. So other things to note with just owning real estate here is our property taxes are high. Our cost of living is high. Um, and we are not a landlord friendly state. So, um, it's very hard if you run into a situation where you have a non-paying tenant, you have to go through the courts. It's a very long process. So it's not that yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of states like that, but they end up a lot of times being some of the better ones to invest in if, if you still have people moving there. But I mean, yeah. like 
the reason like in part prices got so high in like New York City, let's say, is they had mm. rent control. Yeah. So you have thousands of apartments that now no one's going to move out of. Right. So now that puts way more demand. Yeah. Or it's a, a demand that should be on the whole market is on just a few non-rent controlled units. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Speaking know, of that, yeah. we're an appreciation market. We are not a cash flow market. It's very hard to cash flow here because our rents do not keep up with our, our prices, our prices, yeah. our mortgages, our cost of living. And so in order to really cash flow here, you have to basically turn a single family into multiple units so that you th- therefore can cash flow. So it's definitely not, it's, it's harder to cash flow here than people think. Yeah, and I think because I, I saw some people do it in those big cities like LA, where it's really they're they're buying, they're putting more than fifty percent down, mm-hmm. and they are. Um, it's not the first generation doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. This were the, the the people that bought these things for a hundred thousand. Now it's worth four million, and I know these don't make as much financial sense, but I just yeah. I have so much cash flow now, yeah, and I'm just gonna buy. Uh, one or two of these, you know, deals every year right. and that's yeah. all they're doing. And so, I mean, that seems like how Hawaii would work as well, where, yeah. you know, you keep uh, buying, renovating, selling homes, getting that into multifamily, but then mm-hmm. it's going to take a long time to where you're yeah. turning that money over, buying more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good place to park capital if you're looking to depreciate some, <laughs> some yeah. of your money, you know, yeah, but I not think, for cash flow. Well, I think it's that and we appreciate a, a lot here. So yes. like if you, I mean, even now in, in like our business, if we'll find a deal that is like a break even, um, it makes sense for us to keep it, you know what as I mean? As a rental, if it yeah. breaks even. As a rental, if it breaks yeah. even, because just because. In a couple years and yeah. we can tap into that equity, you yeah. know? Yeah. So then that's interesting. But then what's happening like right now in 2023 with home prices? Because most places are they're Tanks, dropping. Yeah. yeah. What's happening then? Yeah, I th- I think so in Hawaii, we're also very unique. Um, we haven't seen a huge dip in prices at all. Um, there are some areas where that home prices have dropped a little bit, but just like a few percent. Um, what has happened is like longer days on market in those areas. So say our average day on market in Oahu in general was less than a week um, during COVID. Now in those areas, we're talking about like 30 to 45 day on market, Yeah. Um, which sounds crazy to some people because that's still very like short time. Yeah. 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 But it, it's a dramatic change from Rest. what we were COVID times. Um, but that being said in the markets that we are in, which we're mostly on the windward side of Oahu, um, central yeah eastern and central eastern central uh we haven't seen a decline in prices at all our last three houses have sold um some for all cash within the first week Week. um and so over ask yeah we're we have an all-time shortage of supply in hawaii that's still supply and demand we have a housing shortage so yeah, and we're not making any more land we're on an island. You know, you know what I mean. So yeah, 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 yeah. We're we're not seeing what a lot of other places. I know Arizona got hit probably hard. One yeah. of the worst places, yeah, it, right? It, it went up the most. It uh, went up right. the most. Yeah, so then it had you know room to fall. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. But yeah, that yeah, because some a lot of the markets, the parts of Arizona, Vegas, Florida, it's really up and down. Right. Yeah. And so when it goes down, it goes down. Or yeah. you know, Texas is kind of the one outlier in the. Sunbelt of the ground places where it's very steady. It's very steady. Yeah. I mean, it still goes down where, I mean, these places that don't drop, I mean, that's very rare. Even, yeah. Even California prices drop. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I thought it was, it was not like that, but we uh, re- did a bunch of research and it is. It's, it is. Actually California like is pretty volatile up and down where I thought it was just kind of steady up because yeah. it gets so expensive, you know, mm. but uh, oh, that must seriously. have happened a long time ago. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And I'm, so then. I'm uh, personally, I'm surprised you can find as many deals as you guys are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're not, with what you said, the parts of the island, you're not even doing deals in Honolulu then really, or were you? We do very few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very few deals in Honolulu. No deals out on the west side or Eva Beach or Makakilo or Kapolei. So that like whole have, side, but we've yeah, we've done before, but. find 20 or 17 or well, like, because 
we like these cities and they're very hard for me to pronounce, but yeah. they, they are really small. I yeah. mean, for when oh, I yeah. look at them, like oh, yeah. this is, yeah. um, as so the rate you guys way, are going, you're going to there's a fifth of the houses. That are I know there, <laughs> there is approximately 400,000 addresses in on Oahu, um, that just because we market here. Right. And what we have realized is that, um, the easiest way for us to do it is pull every single address and we just mass market to everybody. That's just what we do. Yeah. Um, and so there's about 400,000 addresses. We're doing 30 deals a year. Um, most of those are coming from our marketing. This is the key thing. Uh, when we started marketing, when I would re when I would talk to these sellers that would raise their hand, I was the first person that they had ever talked to mm. like me. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a ton of people marketing at all. Uh, the other thing is over the last four years, there has been a uptick in people like right. starting to market here. A lot of other companies have come in and started to do it. Um, but the the defining factor I would say for our company is who who we are. Um, I think more than anyone anywhere else that I've ever been, who you are in Hawaii matters. Mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that is because of what we we're talking about earlier with these generational pass downs of houses, um, people want to know who they're selling the property to. Uh, and a lot of times they want to sell to a local. That's yeah. just what it comes down yeah, to. That makes sense. Um, yeah. and so our family has been here for generations and generations. My dad has 11 brothers and sisters on the windward side. I have 87 first cousins in Kailua alone. It's our family is grown, humongous. <laughs> the yeah. other, the other side is that my dad worked very, very hard. He had a, a awesome story. Like, um, had 11 brothers and sisters that grew up in a one bedroom, 800 square foot house in Kailua. All of them? The all of yes. them. 14 people? Yes. Yes. All of yes. them. Um, and were dirt poor, but mm -hmm. he, uh, went to school, went to college. He started out as a teller at first Hawaiian bank, that bank we were talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Worked there for 30 years to an executive senior vice president. He then went on to become a uh, Kamehameha schools, what we were talking about, yeah. Bishop estate trustee. So one of their trustees. And then from there, he went to become the pri the president of the Weinberg foundation. Wow. Um, yeah, and so the he's sector. Yeah. yeah. And, and so he's been like on a very successful track, which has also brought a lot of, um, credibility to our last name, mm -hmm. you know? And so when I'm going out on these appointments, I say my last name and they immediately know who I am. Yeah. They know who my family is. They know that we come from a reputable family. Um, and because it's very relationship based, I don't have to do a lot of that upfront work of convincing someone that I can actually buy their house. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and odds are they know your cousin. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Odds are that we are, we're okay. How's this is crazy. <laughs> There's a house six houses down Give or I think, take. on oh. this street. We're in escrow to buy. Right We're now. in escrow to buy. Um, that came from a referral. But when I went out on the appointment, we figure out that we're related. Yeah. And this that's a story common. that happens. Very yeah. common. I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. 87 cousins. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. wild. We're at, uh, you know, hundred plus people. That but that's what doing real estate in Hawaii is. Yeah. 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 You know? yeah. I feel like a lot of our deal flow is because we're, we market very consistently. We do do that. Like we're, we're dialing, um, uh, 1500 dials a day. We send out 1500 text messages a day and we do that six days a week. So we're very consistent with like figuring out who the people are, but then what, what gets our deals closed is also who we are. Yeah. Um, and being able to, you know what I mean? Obviously you need some sales skills, but that, that's what comes into. Yeah. yeah. Cause the V the virtual assistants, they get the, when the leads come in, so they do the outreach Yep, and they get it to this sales manager. I forgot their term, but yeah, the, the lead manager here, mm -hmm. that is a, a local here. Um, then he'll do the first phone call. He does the triage call and then he'll do every follow-up call until 
they're ready to his goal is to set an appointment and then then you go and then, then i go to the captains. appointment do you go with him mm-hmm. i go with him okay yep. yeah 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 because i'm so training him to if he's hopefully not, one day he i don't have to do it anymore you know what i mean and he can do it um, who knows if that day will ever come <laughs> i enjoy doing it yeah. still exactly. you know and exactly and 30 deals isn't 300 deals so it's not like my whole schedule is just going on appointments you mm-hmm. know like we'll go on maybe five appointments a week yeah um and so it's it's still fun for me yeah that makes sense yeah well nice because then how um i'm surprised that the the are, are any of the virtual assistants in hawaii then mm-hmm. or where no. are they yeah, so our VAs are in the Philippines and in Egypt. Yeah, and I'm uh, in that they can do the phones okay. Yeah, yeah. they wouldn't want a Hawaiian calling them. That's the thing. Start, though. Well, that so what we have found, and it's been really through trial and error, is the VAs are going to be the most consistent with mm-hmm. the calls. And on the very first call, how we have our system set up, it's they're not trying to create any kind of rapport at all. Okay. It's literally just, have you ever, have you ever thought about selling your house for cash? If they say yes, it immediately, they don't figure okay. out condition, motivation, price, nothing. It immediately goes to our, our lead guy mm-hmm. who will connect with them. He's local. Oh, he's okay. here yeah. because it matters so much. Yeah. This is just filtering. Just yeah. filtering. Okay. Exactly. Yep, totally. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'd like to start doing something on the apartment side. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to get people like me to talk to a you VA. You need to connect with even, us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that, yeah, we should talk about yeah. Yeah. systems in more detail, but yeah, 100%. that is, um, I'd like to do that, but it's always seemed hard to get these owners. Well, you guys are like sophisticated, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, have normally these owners have experience in the real estate space and then they get a call from like a, a VA in the Philippines and almost just shut it off immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Not give you the time of day. That's what I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. then, but there still might be owners where they just kind of came into the property. Yeah. They inherited it or something. Totally. They don't know what's going on. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think this was really interesting. Yeah, yeah man. Let's, let's leave it there. How do yep. people get in touch with you or where do they go for the show when that comes out? Oh, yep. yeah. I mean, you can go to, uh, <laughs> you can go to at Kamahai and Tristan on all social media platforms. That is the best way to find us. You know, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and that's where you can find out about the show when it, we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right, perfect. Great job, guys. Thanks right on, man. Thanks you so much. Yeah. Bye. Right on. Thank you. Choo. If you learned something from today's show, leave a review and hit that subscribe button wherever you enjoy your podcast. Dive deeper into real estate investing on Brenneman Capital's website, Brenneman.com, where we have numerous free resources and information that can help both active and passive real estate investors. Accredited investors can get started today as a passive investor in our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the Invest Now button on our website. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Drew Brenneman and guests as of the date of recording and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of Brenneman Capital LLC and its subsidiaries. Views and opinions are provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon or deemed as investment or tax advice or an offer to buy or sell securities. The speaker cannot be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered.